Hello, this is Yaro Starak, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast. Today's guest is Lauren Shuttleworth. Hello, this is Yaro Starak, and welcome to an Entrepreneur's Journey interview. My special guest today has a business in, I don't know whether to call it an industry, or maybe it's more like a type of entrepreneurship that I've never actually featured before on the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, which makes me a little bit extra excited to share this with the Entrepreneur's Journey audience, because I know there's a lot of you out there who are trying to marry the doing good for society along with the entrepreneurial drive to make profits. And I think today's guest can help open some door to some potential on how you can do that. So Lauren Shuttleworth, thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. So Lauren and I met uh, late 2014 and she explained to me the kind of business she has and also what led up to it. So I'd love to go over that whole story with you, Lauren. And even before this whole thing you're doing now happened, go back in time as we do with my podcast. But just as a summary, can you just explain what you do right now? What is your business right now? Yeah, sure. So I guess um, to define the the industry you're talking about earlier, I guess the sector um, is social enterprise, so the social enterprise sector. And so my business is Words With Heart and it's an eco-friendly stationary social enterprise that funds women's and girls' education projects. So I guess to define social enterprise a bit more, it's kind of like the perfect marrying of a, a business and a charity. So, um, yeah, it has a, a social purpose at heart, basically. Now, you're still running a business in the sense that you're making money. This is how you make your living, right? Yes. Yeah, so, it's, it's for profit. It's for for-profit business. Um, I mean, not all social enterprises are, uh, you know, 100% for profit. There's many different variations but um but yes it's really just operates like any other business um except for the way that i guess for us um i said so we sell stationary products um it's made you know eco-friendly uh production methods so i guess that has a social impact in itself and then um for every product we sell uh, it funds a certain amount of education days for women and girls, and um, we deliver that impact through charity partners, um, yeah, who, who invest then in education in the developing world. Right. So instead of saying, I want to start a stationary company and sell my stationary online, you said, I want to start a stationary company, but I also want to source the materials for the stationary in environmentally friendly ways, and you want to support education in parts of the developing world for girls as well as, uh, as as part of the business not just you donating money is it this is more inbuilt into the actual like the culture and the the structure of your company is that right yeah that's right and i guess it kind of starts in a different way so for me and i think for a lot of social entrepreneurs it starts from the cause you know the problem so for me it was um you know, women's and girls' education and how important that was and how much change that can create, um, you know, in the world and thinking about, okay, that's the problem and, you know, I'm, I come from a business background and I, I can see that business is the way, um, especially social enterprise, to, to change problems and to have an impact. And so um, I sort of looked for, okay, where's a gap? What's a, a good product that um, or a good market that I can create a social enterprise that, then feeds that um, 
feeds that change. So it was kind of, a, I guess, a different approach rather than saying, I want to start a stationary company. It was, I want to address this issue and what's, you know, the best, smartest, you know, um, most effective way I can do that through business. Okay. So it's interesting. Yes, the, the cause and effect, it could start with a desire to change something or it could start with the desire to start a company. That also changed something. It could come from anywhere. In your background, though, since I love to go back in time, have you been an entrepreneur your entire adult life? And did you <laughs> study it ever in your schooling? Oh, I, I guess I haven't. At university, I studied international business. Um, so not really entrepreneurship, I suppose. But I guess to yeah, to tell the story. So after university, I um, went overseas, went traveling, as many people do. And coming back to Australia, I you know, started getting interested in the online space and um, saw a gap in sort of the jewelry sort of uh, retail space online, um, especially when it came to wholesale. So, yeah. When so was this? Talk, can, I, can I know what? So, 2000? Yeah, so this was 2000 and maybe end of 2008. Um, yeah, 2008 it would have started that I came back to Australia. Okay, so the internet was well and truly a place to run a business by then. We're not talking early days. Yeah, exactly. But I think being overseas, I saw, especially living in the UK, how um, how much further along they were in terms of the e-commerce space. And coming back to Australia, I saw as well we were, we were really behind. And so I saw a lot of opportunity there to create something. Um, I think, I guess, the, the real catalyst for for me as an entrepreneur was as I started to to build a you know dabble a little bit in things like eBay and the online space um I don't know if, if you might remember when group buying sites kind of became big in Australia so there's Ozsell and Brands Exclusive um there's a couple of who else is it um Buy Invite Scoop so on, was that here yeah so coupons. So there was kind of two types of um of group buying sites there were the ones that sold discounts like like scoupon but then there were you know as in for services and then the others that sold products so um ozsell which is still around and and thriving today is basically a membership site where people sign up and um they have retailers that sell their products on their site as sales so they'll have like a 50 percent off um sale for a week or 10 days and so all of the members have special access to that sale and they just roll it around so every week they'll have um maybe 10 new uh, retailers that will sell on their site so it became really really big a couple of years ago um but now it's kind of really dwindled away i think again groupon as, was the big one in the states wasn't it yes yes so which I, we did have in australia but as i think they kind of did more um sort of service-based discounts, um, a, little bit, a little bit different model. But, okay. yeah, so anyway, um, as that started to take off, I sort of saw an opportunity because they really wanted to connect in with some of the bigger retailers, but the bigger retailers weren't really connecting with the online space yet. They, they didn't really have much of an e-commerce presence. Um, so I sort of thought, well, I can basically provide – you know, wholesale jewelry for these guys and um, do do these short sales where they were attracting 
huge markets of, of people, of customers, um, and yeah, and sort of sell, you know, even at a discount, that still make quite a decent profit, uh, and for a week make, you know, a good good chunk of um, of money, and then you know do another one the next month or you know the next month or run them across. Actually, ended up running them across the three different um, group buying sites. You know, every two weeks. So, where, yeah. Where did and, you get your jewelry? You were had anything to do with jewelry before this? No, no. I'm just a typical. I was just a typical twenty uh, something uh, girl, I guess, who was into fashion. But um, I just sourced it. So I just did a lot of research and uh, ended up buying a lot of it from um, South Korea actually was where my both my main suppliers were um, yeah so just really kind of stumbled across this gap in the market it does, <laughs> and, it does seem kind of random because so you had no no retail experience before no online experience before besides maybe a little bit of eBay and you weren't yeah. in the jewelry industry at all but you did you just saw this opportunity and then went looking for a way to get product is that kind of how it happened pretty much yeah i said i was just really dabbling and then um i i was always looking at you know different things that were happening online and i was asked to be a member um invited to be a member on one of these sites and was like this is great but i don't really have that much of a range um and sort of as well when i i was looking at the margins that i was making through my sales online and realized well this would still work i could still make you know like between i think we ended up I ended up making per sale maybe anywhere between three thousand and ten thousand um, dollars in a in a sale. As as it got bigger, it was more more towards the bigger amount. So it was just a funny gap that I kind of stumbled across. Um, and I think I guess a lot of entrepreneurs do do that. They sort of somehow in everyday life see something that's missing and go, okay, well I can I can feel that I can. I can do something there. So, um, and, just that's how to, and just to clarify how that all worked, because I, I can imagine you going online, filling out an order form in Korea, <laughs> and them shipping the jewelry to your garage, then the the group buying site running a special, you getting whatever it is, five thousand or maybe five hundred orders, and then shipping them all off to the post office. Is that kind of how it worked? <laughs> yeah. So how it worked would be. Um, I would, so there would be the, you know, these forms that you'd pre-fill out saying we've got this many units and you had to provide a lot of stock, you know, they, cause they sold a lot. So you, it was quite a, quite big numbers. So, um, we sort of say, look, I've got X, Y, Z of all these different styles and you supplied the photo, like the photographs. So took all the stylized photographs, um, for the different items and then just sent that through to them. So really it was all very up until post sale it was just all online our transaction um i sent through samples to them as well because as it evolved they like to take their own photos so they would they would take photos through this of the samples um and yeah and then post the sale would go online they would sell whatever they sold and then they would send me an uh, an order form and i would just send everything to them in bulk and they would send it off to their customers so Gosh, that sounds almost too easy. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was quite. It was quite good for the short time it lasted. Um, I think it was. Yes, I think it was maybe 2011. It started to really die off. Um, but yeah, it was a, a lovely little space. And then from there, once it started to get quite popular, popular, some of the bigger retailers all jumped on board. You know, they realised the value of of the online space and that they needed to be on there and. 
and that customers were engaging with these, you know, big membership sites. And so from there, it was a lot harder to um, compete really. But yeah, it was great. Now, did you make your living during that time from this business or were you always sort of maintaining a job at the same time? I was always maintaining a job. I was working part-time because as well, it really, in terms of output, it wasn't really a lot of time that I had to put into it. Um, apart from when I had to pack orders to send to them, that would be, you know, a block of, you know, intensive time. But um, no, I was always a little bit nervous of letting go of the part-time job I think especially because I was quite young I, I yeah I was sort of nervous of um giving up that career and and as well not knowing how long it, that would last so what, what was your career so I worked in HR in human resources and and as a consultant so I did um yeah recruitment and consulting for different businesses around Australia Okay, so I'm it's completely I'm, different. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to see the the obvious connections that lead up to running a social enterprise, you know, selling stationery. Which so far, you know, is a tiny bit with the jewelry <laughs> business. I can say that would have given you some e-commerce skills to begin with, but it's certainly not a path you could easily trace. You know, going from your the start to the end, it doesn't all make sense, I guess, in connecting the dots. So, um, but I'd love to know how this did lead to uh, Words with Heart. So. You're working sure. part time in HR. You made some some good money selling jewelry through group bu- group buying sites in a window of opportunity when it was new and the big retailers mm-hmm. weren't that interested in it yet. Then that started to die off. That money from that starting to go away. Now, what did you go back to your job full time, or what happened next? Yeah, so I guess really the the catalyst was, as I said, it was a few years of, of things that were going really great with them. Um, with the online business and I was starting to think about what would I do next? Like how would I evolve once this trend ended? Um, and I guess that brought up a few things at the time about what did I want to do? As I said, I kind of stumbled into it. So I wasn't sure if that was exactly where my passion did lie. Um, and then I guess uh, as life does, my decision was kind of made for me in the sense that um, I had a bit of a sad actually happened my my mum passed away very suddenly at the in the end of 2011 and uh, I think as many people you know as happens in many people's lives when something like that happens a a tragedy or a challenge in life it sort of makes you think and and really sit back and and assess what am I doing in my life and what what matters to me and and that definitely happened for me um it it really made me sort of question, especially thinking about the business and, and what did I want to do, um, as well as having such a, an emotional effect on me. I, I just needed to take some time out. So I stepped back from the business for a little while. And as part of that, I decided I was going to go on a volunteer trip um, for three months overseas. And it was something I'd always wanted to do, but had always put off because uh, I was busy with you know, part-time work and, and the business and had just always thought I'd get around to it. Um, but yeah, with, with mum passing away, it made me think life is short and I, I need to do this. I need to take the time for me. So I spent part of the time in Thailand, um, at a, an animal conservation, um, charity, I guess, or, or um, uh, organization and did some volunteer work there mainly with, or, elephants really um yeah it was pretty great and yeah I just had a really it was really 
nice. It was sort of in the jungle and it was very certainly very kind of, I guess, a bit um, taking time out, a little bit spiritual, I guess. But Did you and, get a photo with a tiger? No, 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 no. Yeah, okay. no. Because <laughs> those photos are everywhere online. Everyone has a photo with a tiger for some reason. <laughs> no, and I think there's, I mean, there's a whole, I could jump into a whole lot of welfare issues, animal welfare issues with that. But, I'm sure um, you could. <laughs> yeah, but I won't. <laughs> okay. but, um, but no, so this was really, this um, place was all about, yeah, conservation, animal welfare, and um, working with elephants actually that had been rescued from the tourism and um, logging trade. So it was really nice to take a step back. And I wanted to do that because, um, my mum had always loved elephants and had, um, yeah, had always talked about doing something like that. So in a way, it was kind of a bit of a um, honouring honouring her in a way. So from there, I went to Kenya and I spent the the next um, next second half of that time there, volunteering at a school. And it was there when I really developed my passion for women's and girls' education, because I saw just how how lacking they, you know, the girls in particular were with funding. A lot of them didn't know if they were going to be able to do the next term of school because, um, you know, their, their parents or their orphanage couldn't, couldn't afford it. Um, so they were relying on all those sort of bit of a up in the air situation. Am I going to be able to continue with school, which, you know, education has such a big impact on, on the rest of, um, a girl's life, not just in terms of opportunities, but in terms of health and um, and whether or not she'll get married younger and, and a whole scope of things. So it just made me realise that this is an area where it's it's lacking in sustainable funding. It's something that I'm passionate about. And um, there was one girl in particular that I'll always remember. Her name was Esther, and she was this really smart little cookie, really bright. She wanted to be a doctor and. Um, yeah, she was in a situation where she loved school but didn't know whether she was going to be able to um, go for the next term. Her orphanage just said, we, we're not going to be able to pay for you. So I had paid the next year of school fees but it just made me think, well, what about the next year? What about you know all of the other girls in similar situations? So, um, yeah, coming back from that trip back to Australia, that's when I thought I don't want to leave what I – learned there. This is what I'm passionate about. I want to see what I can do in this space and, and use all of my business knowledge and um, you know, entrepreneur skills to work at creating something something meaningful here. So that's when I really started doing a bit of research into charities in Australia and I stumbled across the term, you know, the idea of social enterprise, which is very new really um, in, in Australia. It's much more evolved in the US and the UK but it's really just starting to get a stronghold here. So um, I applied to the School of Social Entrepreneurs, which um, I don't know if many of your listeners would have heard of, but it's um, they're pretty much they're, they're in Canada, they're in the UK, they're in a, quite a few places around the world, but they're all about taking budding social entrepreneurs and, and teaching them you know, the whole scope of things about social enterprise. And What's it called? It was, the School of? The School of Social Entrepreneurs. So we could Google that if you want to find out more. Yeah. So yeah, you can, you can Google that. Okay. Um, I'll but, Google you. You keep talking. <laughs> I think it's sse.org.au um, if anyone wanted to look that up. But yeah, so I spent and did a nine month course with them, and um, from there, that was when I, while I was there, that I had the idea for Words with Heart. So I was at the airport actually, and 
on my way somewhere to Sydney, I think, and I walked into a stationery store to grab a notebook to take notes on the plane. And um, the first book that I saw was one that said, Boys Hills Blogs, Let's Get Back to the Basics. And um, I think being like the obviously the, the feminist in me was like, what? <laughs> that's not that's not really really a great message to be sending to um, to schoolgirls. So I uh, started to think about what was happening in the stationary space. I just have to clarify: it's boils, boys, boys, <laughs> boys, heels, boys, heels, as in high heel shoes, high heels, yeah, yeah. and blogs. blogs. Okay. Not that there's anything wrong with blogs, obviously. <laughs> I know I'm slightly <laughs> insulted there, but okay. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it was a campus notebook, so it was sort of, you know, pushing itself as this, you know, notebook for university studies. So, um, for me, I just thought, ah, oh, it's just such a bad message. Um, and I think it was just really representative of many other types of marketing and and that kind of thing that's directed at women and girls. And it really just was the trigger that made me think about, well, what about stationery? What's happening in the stationery space um, in social enterprise? And I started to do a bit of research and it's such a big market. Um, this, you know, it's huge in Australia and I mean, obviously internationally too, but it's, it fits so well with education as, you know, in terms of stationary products, funding education for women and girls. So that was where it all started and I sort of evolved our business model and um, yeah, I went from there. So that was, that was only last year. So we launched in September uh, last year. So we've only been, going for six months but it's been pretty busy <laughs> yes it has I've, I've heard many of lauren's stories so which i'd love to talk about but let's uh, tell me and this is i'm interested in this too so you have your idea now you know what you want to do you want to do stationary you want to do education for girls you want to have a better message for young girls and i'm assuming at some point you're thinking environmental production as well mm-hmm. so I would have a clue. I, I deal in digital things, so everything's just on a computer. Now, you're talking about a physical product. You're talking about sourcing environmental product. You're talking about somehow finding a way to get some of the money to girls in education. It seems overwhelming to me. So can you take, take us yeah, through actually, that process? Yeah, actually, when you put it like that, it's pretty, pretty overwhelming. <laughs> how does how that, did I do how that? How did you do it, Lauren? <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think that's the thing. You have to break it down into small bits because – it is a lot. There's a lot that connects and keeps us running. So, you know, we have our charity partners um, who are pretty big. So Care Australia is one and One Girl, which maybe people have heard of as... Wait, wait, before you, like, I can hear you going, oh, we got this, this, and this now. But how did you <laughs> okay. just happen? How, like, how, how? So okay. Lauren decided so this idea. Did she it was make really a phone research. Call? It's, <laughs> it's really started as research going, I've got this idea. So how do I create stationery and kind of researching different um, bits and pieces online and um, looking at printers and then going, okay, so I need to get in contact with a printer. So uh, how do people produce stationery? What makes stationery eco-friendly? What makes it less eco-friendly? So it was really just a lot of research um, and a lot of talking to people and, you know, I spoke to a lot of social entrepreneurs asking for their advice on, you know, how they got started in whatever area it might be, especially for those that had physical products. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of asking and a lot of researching and then just piecing the little bits together. So that's a simple okay. simple answer. Let me ask you this. How did you get designs done and, and that part? Sure. So that, again, was a lot of asking for help. So I have a good friend of mine that's a graphic designer. So I said, 
look, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Um, do you want to, do you want to come on board? And she loved the idea. And so we just started working on designs together. And again, a lot of research in terms of seeing what was, um, what was selling, what my target market was, was buying. Um, so I think as well, I guess, again, being a, being a woman, I was kind of creating something that I would want to buy, which is kind of easier uh, then having to create something for someone that you know you don't really know how they think or what they want. So um, yeah, we started working on designs, and uh, then had a group of girlfriends that I sort of tested them with and, and asked them which ones did they like, what should we change. So did some market research. Yeah, that's so how the designs happened. I'm looking at one right now, and it's it's a card or a, a booklet that says, "I am a girl. I am smart. <laughs> I am brave. I can do anything." Yes. Over some flowers, uh, is that something you came up with? Like those words and the design and everything? Yeah. So the words we came up with because I guess there's a whole great area around. You know, you, you can't really sell people's quotes on physical products unless they're you know, over a certain time period. So yeah, there's a lot of gray area there. So yes, all of the, all of the words, which I guess fits into our words with heart, which is, um, name of the business. Uh, we, we wrote or they're what are called public domain. So they're not really attributed to anyone. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, those, those ones we wrote. So wordswithheart.com if the listeners want to see what I've just been yes. talking about. Uh, okay, so you've, you've come up with these designs, which I have to say must have been fun on some level too. It gets to tap into your creativity with your graphic designer uh, and, it's, yeah, and then see it come to life. So that's cool. So you get these designs, you've called up a printer, and then what, you take the design to a printer and then they say, yes, we can produce these for this amount of money and it'll cost this much on environmentally sourced stock. Is that right? Yes, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, so you've got product so, then. Yes, then you've got product. So I guess the, the tricky thing with that and this is what, what we did, I'll tell the story about our crowdfunding, um, is, uh, you know, you've, yes, you've got to... You've got to buy stationery in bulk, basically. Uh, it's like any any product you create or manufacture. The more that you you make, the cheaper it is um, per unit. And that was what it was all about: was creating stationery that was no more expensive, you know, than you know a similar product, a similar boutique stationery product. But you know, you're buying something that is eco-friendly and it also funds education. So having it be, you know, that similar price is really important. Um, I think for my model of social enterprise because you want people to go choice A, choice B. Well, you know, they're both both good quality. They're both great designs. But this one has, you know, this social impact. Of course, you're going to choose mm. choose that one. Um, I think that's a, a marketing point worth reiterating. I really like the fact that it's everything's the same, as you just said, you know, but it's a point of differentiation from a marketing point that you can sell more products because you're helping people. And that's a good thing. So it's, it's, not, it's not like you're writing better copy. It's just, hey, we help others as well. So I think that's fantastic. Um, I do want to hear about this crowdfunding thing, but I just want to clarify one thing, and this probably ties into yes. the crowdfunding. You don't, when you said you have to order X amount of stationery, you don't have to do that until you have buyers. Or do you have to do that in advance? Well, I mean, I guess you... It depends how you do it. So, as I said so with the crowdfunding, we sourced buyers. We pre-sold our stationery, so we sourced buyers before we actually had to physically buy the product. Okay. But um, you wouldn't have to do that if you had you, and if you were prepared, you willing to take that. Not that it's a risk, but when you don't know if something's going to sell, it's um, a bit of a jump to go. Okay, I'm just gonna 
spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on buying, you know, thousands of notebooks. Of you do print on demand, right? Sorry? You would do print on demand. makes more sense because then you, you only print when you have a buyer, right? Yeah, but that's more expensive um, uh, okay. to, to just have, print small quantities. Then. That's it, yeah. So that's, that's the, the risk, I suppose, with physical product is that um, to buy to be able to sell it at that low, at that reasonable cost and, and have good profit margins, you have to buy it in bulk or create it in bulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, but then you've got to have a market there so that you're going to sell it especially with a product like stationery where it's so um, tied in with, you know, it's like a fashion-type product which has an expiry date which might be quicker than something like toilet paper, you know, where, which, you know, isn't really going to change that much with the seasons. So, yeah, it's a fine line in finding that balance, um, which is why we decided to go down the crowdfunding Okay, so just to put this into the, the timeline, you've gone as far as getting designs done and I'm assuming printing a few test versions to show your, yes. your friends for research and so on. So now you're thinking, okay, I can make product. Now I need to get customers. Is that what you're thinking? Is that what triggered crowdfunding or was there another per- reason behind it? Yeah, well, I already knew that a, a few other um, successful social enterprises had launched with crowdfunding um, that, that had a similar model to to mine like which one two words with heart so um who gives a crap which i don't know if uh, anyone has heard of they're a toilet paper company uh and they um they sell eco-friendly toilet paper which funds sanitation projects uh in the developing world so they launched via a crowdfunding campaign and uh i I can't think of how much they raised i I think it was over fifty thousand. um but that was with that idea as well that you know they needed to buy a lot of toilet paper <laughs> to be able to sell it at a um a price where you know they could be competitive in the market and to do that it was like okay we, we need to buy it in bulk let's find a market for it first um before we take that risk and just have you know a, a warehouse full of toilet paper sitting there <laughs> <laughs> um and there are a couple of others that have have launched in in the same way so another one is suno um so they're actually um a women's hygiene um product company they they sell sanitary pads and they're made with bamboo and um or sort of a bamboo fiber and they fund health product uh, health projects in the developing world for women so what's that one called suno suno t T-S-U-N-O. Okay. Um, yeah, so, and again, she had raised um, in excess of, of $40,000, I think, um, to kind of kick off to buy a huge, she ended up getting a whole, um, I think, a whole shipment of pads sent over <laughs> from somewhere overseas and, again, had, had to sort of have a market for them um, to sell them in, you know, in Australia. So that's why crowdfunding is such a great model for businesses I suppose, like mine, where you need to buy in bulk, especially if you have a social purpose because people connect with the story. Um, they, they really connect with the change that you're trying to create. So I think that really helps too. For us, we've got a lot of press and, um, you know, a, a ready-made consumer base really um, in 30 days. So it was it was really good. Okay, well, uh, take us through the crowd campaign. How does that work and which platform yeah. did you use? So we used Start Some Good which is uh, just for social purpose uh, projects um, as, as opposed to, you know, Kickstarter which uh, or a few others that are just all kinds of creative or, um, you know, tech-type um, 
projects. So people that know Start Some Good know it for that reason. And um, Start Some Good? Startsomegood.com. Okay. So, yeah, so we – it was actually as part of a um, – a grant or initiative or a corporate initiative with ING Direct that we applied for and won. And as part of that, it was doing this crowdfunding campaign. Um, so they provided, you know, an extra financial kick and you know, some other PR stuff. So it was it happened very fast from finding out that we were successful to that we had to do this crowdfunding campaign, um, which I, I'd already planned for at some stage, but not, not so soon. Ended up being good, but it was, you know, sometimes it's good to be pushed a little bit um, outside of your comfort zone. So we had to create a, a video um, as part of the, like, the crowdfunding campaign, um, you know, a whole bunch of copy and uh, all of the perks. So how it works with, with our crowdfunding was that if people pledged, they might pledge $20, they would pre-buy a journal, a girl's journal. Um, and if they then pledged the next amount, maybe $40, they would buy three notebooks. So it kind of went up in um, tiers like that and up to the point where we had, I think, a $5,000 perk where you could become a corporate sponsor and um, would work on a collaborative project. So, yeah, it was a, a tier of, of perks and it was a 30-day campaign and – yeah, once it launched, um, I was lucky to have uh, a lot of work going into crowdfunding campaigns, a lot of work in building your network and having them share your campaign and support your campaign. And then the press, sort of, that was really valuable to us and something that took a lot of work in getting um, the campaign out there and getting press to support it and mm. send the word out. So You did a video too? Yeah, yeah. So we did a, a campaign video which, you know, as I said, people learn in different ways. So some people liked reading the copy, some people liked watching the quick video. Um, it was a good way to – it was really nice and easy to share, um, people to engage with. So, yeah, it's um, – and it was successful. So we, we reached our target and we were able to then buy our, our thousands of notebooks, um, which <laughs> well, didn't was, like – What was your target? So we had a minimum target of 15,000. Okay. Um, we ended up getting kind of close to 20,000. Uh, so, yeah, and as well, I think sometimes the, the thing that was more valuable than the money, I mean, the money was great. I could have I could have invested that money myself in having just getting the stationery made. Um, but I wanted the I wanted to know the market was there and I wanted as well the press was great. I wanted there to be that little bit of a buzz about what we were doing and um, and I think crowdfunding was a, the perfect model to do that. I think it's also great how it forces you into action because it creates a deadline for you to try and meet as well. So, uh, yes, it's that's, that's true. Amazing how much you get done when you have this clock there saying, you know, this is going to fail or succeed based on you <laughs> doing something in the next thirty days, right? Yeah, so. but also for supporters, um, for people, you know, anyone that has because there was that thirty days and it was this, come on, like we're a team, help us get there. This is the change we're going to create. Um, I think people engage with that. They, they, they see themselves as being part of what you're doing. It's, you know, it's just a really beautiful way to tell your story mm. and to bring people along and to sort of build a community. And that's what has pushed us now and, and helped us grow rapidly in, in the past six months is that what began as this community has grown and people that are really dedicated to the brand now and, um, you know, buy all their stationery from us and share photos on social media. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of re responsibility to that because they're so engaged in what we're doing and they're passionate about, you know, changing um, women's and girls' education. So, 
yeah, there's a, a lot mm. of it's more than just a business when it's a social enterprise. You know, there's a lot more you take on. Yeah, it's uh, it's all very synergistic though. I really like the way it sort of your story links with the product, links with the marketing. It's just it's it just fits well, and, and obviously you you feel great about what you're doing. Plus, you're making money for yourself and helping other people. It's kind of ticking all the boxes for you know what most entrepreneurs want out of a business. So, tell us what happened after crowdfunding. So you you get. $20,000, you go buy a bunch of stationery, mm-hmm. then you have to ship it off to all the supporters. So that would have been yes. a new experience as well. And, and there was no company doing that for you this time, or, or is there a way to have a... No, no, no. How does this That was work? me doing that this time. Gosh. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was a lot of work, but I, I have a great, and I had then and I have now a, a great team of interns, um, which really helped me get a lot of work done. I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Tell me about that. Uh, How do you get these interns? Cause you have an army of them. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have seven interns, um, not quite an army, but a few, um, so yeah, so that's, and I guess that's the other, other, you know, advantage of, of a social enterprise is that people are passionate about what you're doing, your cause. And so they want to engage with that and be part of it. And so, um, I have seven university interns, um, women at at university, which is great too, because they're our target market. They're helping to create our product and our business, you know, my business as it grows. Um, so I have, there's another social enterprise actually that, uh, has a connection with the local, with UQ here in Brisbane, um, University of Queensland. And, um, yeah, so I advertised through them and, and had a lot of applications come through and, and picked, um, the, the top, top ones that I thought would match what we needed in terms of skill set. And, uh, yeah, they work on all different things. So they work on our, our press. So they send out press releases and, um, market research is a big one. A lot of the time consuming things that, you know, I don't, necessarily have a lot of time for or at least my time could be better spent um in terms of you know the, the bigger picture stuff strategy scale etc as well as i'm guessing blogging social media <laughs> yes so they do newsletters all. exactly there's, there's so many things i mean goodness um yeah they, yes yes and getting back to emails people emailing queries through and um, just anything in a business you know um all of the administrative bits and pieces so yeah, it's been an absolute blessing to have them on board. And as I said, because they're so passionate about it, they're very um, open with sharing ideas and, and sharing with their networks and um, connecting with people they know. So, yeah, it's it's a great, another great benefit, I suppose, in, in having a social enterprise is that people will, will really just take on what you're doing as their own as something that's that's their project too. Are they working remotely or do you have an office of some kind? Um, we have a co-working space that we meet at, um, you know, every every fortnight or, or sooner if we need to. But other than that, they work remotely. I mean, they're university students. They're busy with um, work and university and a social life. So, and I, I don't want to make it hard. That one has to be um, when they're giving their time um, as interns. So, yeah. So no, we they work remotely mainly, and uh, we catch up when we need to um, fortnightly to have sort of brainstorming sessions and um and i speak with them once a week as well just we have activity maps that we work through so it's pretty it's pretty structured what do you do then lauren what's what's, what's your job <laughs> i just sit back <laughs> <laughs> on the couch um, watch netflix <laughs> so for me it's been i guess post campaign it's been a lot of yeah strategic work so it was 
developing relationships with um, charity partners and with charity partners that I knew would deliver really a really great social impact. And that's something that's been hard for me to navigate because my background is in business. Um, and so knowing what is good development is a bit harder for me to judge. So I've had to rely on, I guess, advice and, and yeah, being more careful, not careful, but um, planning and, and, you know, looking into it in more detail than what I would with, with business type things. So, yeah, so um, as I mentioned earlier, so our charity partners, our first two charity partners are Care Australia and One Girl. So Care Australia work, I mean, all over the world, but uh, the project we support with them at the moment is in Cambodia. And then One Girl work in Sierra Leone in West Africa, um, supporting exclusively education there. So, uh, yeah. That, how, how did those relationships come about? And I'm actually I'm really curious, too, what the, the logistics of this. Like, do you sell a booklet and then there's a slice of that money just handed directly to the, the partnership? Or how interconnected is it? Yeah, so um, I guess it was oh, – how does it start? So – I approached one girl. I know the founders of one girl both went through the school of social entrepreneurs, um, several years ago. So I had approached them when I was just about to launch words with heart and sort of said, look, I'd I'd actually really love to partner with you at some stage because I think the work that you do is great. And so then that evolved from there and, and Keris Jai was similar. Um, although I got in touch with them near the end of the campaign. And so I think again, because we had so much press, um, and we had, you know, a lot of buyers in a community that all that came about from the campaign that added a lot of weight um, to what we were doing and, and sort of made them, I guess, take notice and say, yeah, we, we want to be part of that. So if, if I'd approached them at the beginning, I don't think um, we might, might not have had that partnership just because, you know, they're such a big organisation and they, they partner with so many other big partners like Virgin Australia and, um, you know, it, why would they want to partner with us? So it was about creating that bit of a platform first. Um, so how it works is they partner with us. We we sell our products and then after a fixed term, so for us it's you know it's every six months, um, we send through the funds, um, the collective funds from the previous six months worth of sales to them, um, which they then they then deliver that uh, as cause we actually work on a what they call a dollar handle. So we've worked out exactly how much a day of education costs um, it, for the different projects that we work with. And so they then deliver that and then report back to us um, with case studies and with, you know, with detailed data, um, which we then can report through to our um our board to our our customers so yeah okay does that explain it it does thank you it's all clear in my head now (laughs) (laughs) there's so many components to this because you are dealing with i guess at least one main additional variable the the charity partners uh and like you said it does make you uh, do decision making a little bit differently because you have to decide who you're going to work with what what marketing campaigns and promotions you will say yes to Mm -hmm. In, in your case you might actually have to say no to certain ones because it just kind of maybe clashes with something that the the social aspect of your enterprise is. And I know you've had to deal with a few of those kind of issues in in the recent months as well. So it's like for me, I can go, well, I don't go straight. It's a business decision, but I don't have to consider those factors because I I Mm. lack the social part of my business. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I think as a social enterprise, um, 
you know, at least for me, I'm always looking at the business and thinking, okay, am I doing everything as ethically as I can? And that's something that I guess, um, you know, I assume businesses do think about that. But, um, you know, for us, it's about because we are a stationary company and we sell eco-friendly stationery, I can't just go and buy just normal copy paper. <laughs> like I have to buy recycled copy paper or I can't just, um, you know, just just all the little business decisions. I'm always thinking about how, how can we have an impact. And I think that's maybe being a social entrepreneur as well. You care about so many other areas apart from this little slice of impact that you work on. So even though we focused on the environment and women and, and girls' education, I care about lots of other social issues too. So I'm always thinking about, oh, are we, are we addressing, not addressing that, but are we considering that or we're not, um, we're not clashing with that in, in terms of values by doing, you know, X project. So, yeah, it's a different consideration. But I think if, and a lot of people already probably do that in their, their business, um, they, they have their own value system and they make decisions on that. Mm. It's probably just a bit harder when, uh, when it's, you have to kind of think about um, the possible scrutiny, I suppose, that can come um, potentially from, from the press or, or other areas if you, you don't, if you make a wrong turn. or So it's, it's a little bit more, there's a more responsibility involved, I suppose. Okay, well, I'd like to turn the, the microphone around, well, the, the light, the tension light onto you now. So you're helping the environment, you're helping these schoolgirls, what about you as an entrepreneur? I'm going to make, let's go greedy now. Um, how does this work both in how you pay yourself? Because I know there's been problems. In fact, you've shared some TED Talks with me about the contradictions regarding compensation for employees of charities where there's often, you know, that doesn't seem socially acceptable to pay a charity employee as well as a, a normal company employee, even mm-hmm. though they should be paid as well because they're running a company, but there's all these social judgments placed on that. Does that happen with a social enterprise as well? Like how do you decide how much you personally get to keep, how much you pay yourself, those sorts of things? Yeah, I think that really depends on the social enterprise. I know some that operate purely as, you know, 100% of their profits they do um, send through to their, their cause. But the great thing about social enterprise and why it's different from charity is that you, you purely have you operate as a business because charities are subjected to a lot more scrutiny in terms of administration costs and you know people when they're donating to a charity they want that money to go to the cause and so sometimes they'll get a little bit more they get upset when they think okay um, I'm giving you know a hundred dollars and I want that to go to the women and girls you know that hundred dollars has to pay part of it has to pay someone's wages part of it has to keep the lights on you know i'm not so happy about that and that's this kind of um the ted talk we were talking about it's this old like this old kind of mentality that we've hung on to where charities are subjected to this different kind of set of rules as to businesses but really if you think about a charity they're doing such good in the world surely we should be encouraging them to in the in their business, you know, to invest into um, invest foundations with the right people, so that then they can continue to do even more good and create bigger things. So that's where I guess social enterprise is changing things up because we're able to work with the business rules where we can spend whatever we want on marketing, we can spend what we need to um, on the right people, 
And by doing that, we're making more profit. And by making more profit, we're creating more change, more social good. So I think that's where a lot of charities now are moving almost to social enterprises or they're developing social enterprises that sit under the charities because they can actually use those business rules, which, you know, make perfect sense. Of course, if you're going to grow, you have to invest um, to, yeah, to do good and, and, and be more. Um, so I guess that's how Words With Heart does work. So we're a company um, for profit, 100% for profit. And, um, you know, at the moment we're in startup phase, obviously a lot of what we're making is investing back in um, to, to what we're doing to, to grow and scale and you know, to take on new opportunities. So I know I've spoken to you about um, a big opportunity that's come up for us recently that we're working on, which is um, with a, a really large stationary retailer in Australia. So, you know, for us that uh, is a lot of investment that's going into that in terms of stock, in terms of marketing, in terms of design. Um, but we know that by investing all of that money in there, we're going to be able to create so much more change, so much more fun, so much more education for women and girls. So, yeah, we, we're all about making the biggest profit that we can so that we can have the biggest impact that we can. Okay, so as a startup, you're a founder, so you're not taking a salary likely yet anyway, as most startups wouldn't pay their founders a very large salary until the company is well and truly established. So you're playing by the same rules then. At some point, if you're turning over millions, uh, then you can start drawing a salary, you have employees, you pay them full rates. And yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it's like um, I think we've talked about Tom's as being a really good example of a social enterprise that you know is – totally doing amazing things so tom's shoes is a, a company in the u.s i'm sure that's probably one that many of your listeners have heard of um they have a model which is called the one for one model so every pair of shoes they sell um it it funds a, a pair of shoes for a child in the developing world and they have a few other businesses now with with glasses and coffee and other things have a similar one for one model um but they they actually just sold a Oh, they have, I think, a venture capitalist firm, like maybe Bain in, in the US. For millions of dollars, they, they bought an equity from Tom's. And, um, you know, because they're such a great business, you know, they're not, even though they have a social purpose, um, they're a really valuable, fantastic business mm. company. Um, and that's how, how I think social enterprise, I, I like that model of social enterprise that, you know, you, you work with the rules of a company, you pay people what they're worth. To you know, to be able to grow the company and have more of a, a of a bigger impact, and you invest what you need to in marketing, in foundations of your business, you pay yourself what you're worth, um, and you know you, you sell parts of the company if you think that's going to um, have a, a create a big impact, or even if you just want to move on to something else um, and do another like enterprise. So I think they sh- we should have the same rules as a business, really. Um, to me, it's yeah, it's a no-brainer in that sense. What's the name of that TED Talk so I can put it with the links for the show notes for this? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, for you putting me on the on the uh, on the internet. Um, you think it about is. it. I'm just going to say I really like the uh, Tom's model because it's very clear. You, you sell a shoe, you sell some shoes, you give some shoes to someone else, but there's enough margin there to fund a company as well. So you've got very straight numbers and straight contributions back. Do you remember the name? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Um, 
Oh, I, I can't remember, but I, I'll give it. I'll give it to you, and I'm sure you can include it. Okay. Um, well, I, well, what I'm going to do is ask you a question, and then I'll Google and see if I can find okay. it while you're talking. Thanks. The one uh, question, just to sort of wrap us up, we've got about ten minutes, a little bit less than ten minutes before we hit the hour mark, Lauren. Okay. So, doing well. Um, for the listeners who are going, you know what? I really want to do a social enterprise now. I'm excited. Lauren's doing great things. I have possibly some great ideas or even though I maybe don't have great ideas, I just love this social enterprise world and I want to get involved. So if someone was a budding new potential social entrepreneur, what would you have them do? Go through a course or like what's step think, one? Yeah, sure. Um, I've got the TED talk here for you. <laughs> Beat me. <laughs> It's called um, The Way We Think About Charity is Dead Wrong um, by Dan Palotta. So, yeah, definitely watch that one. It's it's a really interesting talk. But in terms of advice for budding social entrepreneurs, I would say be really sure about your cause because that's something that's going to drive you um, when things get challenging. Um, So if it's something that, you know, you have to be really passionate about it because if it's something that, you know, you kind of picking is just a cause that you think fits in well with your business model, um, it might not push you. And I think sometimes consumers can see through that as well if you're not truly um, passionate about that particular issue. So make sure it's something that you really love and that you can see yourself, you know, working, you know, for, for, you know, however many years. Um, secondly, I would say go in and network with other social entrepreneurs. I think the social enterprise community is very welcoming and I was really surprised by that, I think, compared to my experiences in maybe the, um, the entrepreneur space because I think sometimes, nothing against normal entrepreneurs because I've been one, but sometimes, you know, of course, it's a, your business, you're a bit more, um, I, I guess sometimes cards can be a bit closer to your chest in terms of wanting to, um, to protect that. But social entrepreneurs, for some reason, the community is much more like, oh, you're doing that? Great. Let me put you in touch with this person. Let me send you my all of my templates on marketing. You know, So um, people, I find, are a lot more open and really want to, to help you on your way. So there are lots of different meetups. Um, I, I know I'm sure all over the world um, are about, about social enterprise and social entrepreneurs. So um, do that or you can enroll in, like I did, some, something like the School of Social Entrepreneurs. There are lots of different um, programs like that popping up for social enterprise now as it becomes bigger and bigger. So seek those out. Um, and then I would say just like any other type of entrepreneur I guess just start I think that sometimes is the key is to just even if it seems like such a big chunk I said when you sort of laid it all out with words with heart it it really is a lot to navigate with charity partners and you know how do I produce this or whatever it might be but um just chip away at it and and approach the little bits and it's amazing how quickly they come together but if you put it off and you get overwhelmed by how big it is or you start to think, ah, oh, it's such a big issue. How am I going to even begin to change that? Um, you know, don't, don't even entertain those thoughts because it's just the process of going through the little bits and it's amazing how quickly things add up. Like uh, even now sometimes I stop and go, wow, six months ago I had nothing. You know, Words With Heart was, was just an idea and, you know, now we're talking to these big retailers and, um, yeah, so it's, it's amazing how quickly things can change if you just push yourself to start. So those would be the three things, I think. Fantastic, Lauren. So 
Anyone listening in, if you want to buy stationery, for starters, <laughs> you <Yes>. to <laughs> head to wordswithheart.com. And you can that also is. check out everything Lauren's doing there. And I know at some point you're going to have uh, another website for what you're talking about now, basically. But Words With Heart for stationery, sign up to her email newsletter. If you've got some kids, send them to school. Great stationery there. Um, anything else you want to throw in, Lauren, before I wrap up the call? <laughs> no, I think you've just done a really great um, plug for me. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> Wait, is there anything I forgot there? <laughs> well, just, um, no, just to no, clarify, definitely. What do you sell? Like, I, I, station, yeah. what does stationery mean? So, well, at the moment, we have um, notebooks and uh, a, a girls' journal. We have travel um, journal. We have um, pens as well. So, it's sort of still our launch collection. We're about to release our new collection in the next. Um, a month or so, which will have you know wider products. So we have, yeah, sort of your your basic needs in terms of stationery um, there. But it's it's always growing. So definitely, um, yeah. You said if you sign up to our newsletter, our email newsletter, it's the best way to um, keep in touch in terms of new products that are coming out and and everything else. And, and as well to keep in touch with our impact for women's and girls education. I think that's kind of the exciting thing to follow along and see just by you know making a purchase, what impact you then have for, for someone else and, and, you know, their dreams on the other side of the world. And, yeah, it's, it's a really it's a nice way to be connected in, into the little purchases that you buy. Mm. Awesome. All right, Lauren, thank you for joining me on the call. Good luck with the growth. I will be obviously staying in touch and hearing <laughs> all the all the latest news from Words With Heart and what's going on there. And, and thank you for also, I guess, in, in showing me a window into this world of social enterprise because, I've always divided charity and, and entrepreneurship quite strictly, I guess. I haven't seen mm-hmm. the overlap the way social enterprise is doing it. And I, I really like the ability to dip your toes into greedy capitalism, which also benefits social causes, uh, kind of wrapping two, two different ways of doing things. And, and that's fantastic. So uh, I'm glad. And I really hope that, um, I said for, for some of your listeners, that um, maybe it opens up that wider way. Of, I know when I was at, yeah, you know, first starting out, even back in the entrepreneur days, it was, you know, I, same. I, I cared about charity. I cared about these causes, but I also wanted a career. I also wanted to make money and didn't think that they could fit together. But, you know, they absolutely can. Um, and I, I think that's the way it's going to move even more and more in the future. So. Agreed. And I think there's lots of ways us online entrepreneurs can tap into this idea as well. So if you're running a, an online business right now, you might have a, a stop and think how you can tie what you're doing into some sort of cause not just because it helps people, not just because you might feel better about it, but because it also can help your business to grow. So it's benefits exactly. all around. Yeah, I think it would be exciting to see how it can work in the, the online space as well. So Definitely. All right, Lauren, thank you. And I should probably thank should you. mention if uh, people want to get in touch with you, what, is there anything you feel comfortable giving out? I don't know if social media or... Yeah, so um, they can actually contact me directly. So my email address is... Lauren at wordswithheart.com but you can find all of our social media links as well and you feel free to just contact me if you have any questions about social enterprise I'm always happy to help okay awesome thank you Lauren <laughs> thank you and thank you to all the listeners this has been the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast if you want to subscribe you can do so on iTunes or you can come to my blog at entrepreneurs-journey.com or just Google my name, Y-A-R-O, and you'll find all the previous podcast episodes and everything else about me there. Thanks again for listening. Thanks, Lauren, and talk to you all very soon. Bye-bye.